0: This podcast is not meant to be professional advice of any kind. It is meant to be informative and entertaining. If you make any changes to your life, see the appropriate professional before you do so. Hello and welcome to SuperAge. My name is David Harry Stewart. I'm the founder of Aegist. At SuperAge, we help you live better and become the best version of yourself. And who doesn't want a SuperAge? Today's show is brought to you by Inside Tracker. Go to InsideTracker.com slash age to save 20% on all their products. Get yourself a dashboard to your inner health. And we'd like to welcome to the Super Age podcast a new sponsor, Element, spelled L-M-N-T, my favorite electrolyte mix. That's what I put in my water at the gym. That's what I put in my water in the morning. Go to drinkelement.com slash ageist and check out the special deals they have for the listeners of the Super Age Podcast. Welcome everyone to episode 95 of the Super Age Podcast. This will be dropping on August the 3rd, 2022. So how's everybody doing out there? We've had, um, it's just been like a heck of a week. Um, I was in Los Angeles last week meeting um, clients, meeting some new people, meeting um, old people from my... Photo past, which was really kind of great. And then back here, oh my gosh, we're launching the Aegis Book Club this week. So check that out. That'll be info about that in the newsletter this week. And we're also going to start working with Leap, the social media company that we've been mentioning recently, which is really all about human connection. And we're all about that. And we're going to have some um, Aegis discussions on Leap. And that's coming up soon. And then we've been making these videos, and we've been putting them out on you know the other social media channels, um, including TikTok. Believe it or not, we actually have like a reasonable following on TikTok now. Who? <laughs> I don't know. TikTok's crazy, but it's um you know wherever people are, that's where we're going to go. And we made um really this this really fun video uh, last week that we put on Instagram that we did for our sponsor, Tracker, and it's all about, like, if you want to know what I do with the gym and why, like, I sleep a lot and I'm tired a lot, (laughs) um, check out that video. It's from a couple days ago. The the front slide on that is, like, me on a treadmill. So, um, yeah, that's what I do every morning. This week on the show, we have someone fascinating, to me anyway, and I think it's going to be fascinating to you, too, uh, Dr. David Hardy, who deals with functional neurology, which is something I... I hadn't even heard those two words put together before. And he does some pretty amazing things. So, we're going to get with him in just a moment after a quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the dashboard to your inner health. Just as a car has a dashboard so you can tell how fast you're going and how much gas you have, you need a dashboard for your inner health. You need to know what's going on inside your body if you're gonna optimize it. You need some way to monitor what's going on inside your body. And then once you know what's going on inside your body, you need some way to help optimize that. And this is what I get from Inside Tracker. With their 43 biomarkers that they're testing, along with the genetics that they test me for, I know what I should be eating to really optimize where I want to be, and I get to choose that target of where I want to be. Am I working on brain health? Am I working on longevity? Is there something with my fitness that I'm interested in optimizing? The app will make recommendations personalized to me based on my blood work and my genetics, and that's something that I just think is invaluable. Um, it's not a replacement for seeing my doctor. It's not a replacement for any of the other professionals in my life. It is an additive, but it is an additive that is with me every day, all day, and I can consult it, and I can see what should I be doing right now, and then I can test again and see what changes have happened. If you go to insidetracker.com slash you'll save 20% on all their products. Today's show is also brought to you by Element the electrolyte mix that I've been using to stay hydrated and to keep my electrolytes in balance. I started placing Element electrolyte mix into my water after my workouts on the recommendation of a friend of mine who's a 50-time Ironman competitor. I told him that I was having a lot of trouble recovering from my workouts, and I thought it was my age, and it turned out it was my electrolytes. And once I started putting Element into my water, I noticed an incredible difference in my ability to recover from my workouts. It went from, I mean, truthfully, an hour or two to like 10 minutes. Um, Because the problem was my electrolytes were off. Now what I do is I put Element in my water when I get up first thing in the morning. I also have it in my water that I drink during the day. And then, of course, at the gym, I make sure that there's Element in my water. And, of course, in my beloved sauna, the same thing, Element in the water. So it turns out that some of that brain fog and just muscle ache and sluggishness that I was feeling was not age-related. It was actually electrolyte-related. We talk a lot about hydration on this podcast, but the electrolyte mix within that water is really critical. Right now, Element is offering listeners of this podcast a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packets, free with any Element order. It's a great way to try out all eight flavors and share Element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash This deal is only available through this link. You must go to d r dot com slash We'll be leaving that link in the show notes too. After you check it out, let me know what you think about it. Did it make the change for you that it did for me? Hey, David, how are you today?
1: Oh, I'm doing fantastic, yes, yeah. <laughs> Great to be I am, here. I am so
0: excited to have you on. Um, we had a conversation last weekend and I just thought, oh, people need to know about this. Um, so, um, you deal with functional neurology. Yes. Did I get that right? Absolutely. Okay. So uh, first off, what's that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, functional neurology is to isolate the parts of the brain that are overactive so you can calm them down or what parts of the brain are sluggish. So you can figure out an exercise stimulation modality to make an improvement in that part of the brain. And uh, it is absolutely amazing the results you get when you're specific with these different pathways in the brain and nervous system and how you can just improve function. So kind of the the three top groups, if I would say that, that I've worked with uh, in my practices have been, brain injuries, concussions, uh, cognitive decline, neurodegenerative disorders, and then kind of that ADHD impulsivity and, uh, post addiction realm. And, uh, so looking at physical ways to rewire the brain nervous system to improve all these, these different conditions. And, and then, uh, now I'm trying to see how I can apply all this information into peak performers and, uh, entrepreneurs, business people, and kind of the leaders out there that want to make a change to the world as well, that are obviously bombarded by stress and other factors that are going to, going to take its toll on, on how you perform. Can you make me smarter? Absolutely. That's the exciting (laughs) thing is uh, we've done. Yeah. We've done cognitive tests pre and post with, with these therapies And you see areas of these cognitive tests improve. And the cool thing is it's individualized. So it's really, okay, here's what we find. Let's do some training and see what the results are. So you don't have to wait around for these huge studies that take years, if not decades to complete. It's basically, okay, well, here's pre and post and let's see the the difference in where we can take your brain
0: okay now you got you have my full attention um since you haven't done a test on me let's make up patient x yes. um, and so he comes in and what what is this test what are you doing to him
1: right uh, it depends on the the clinic i've been in, but the the basic part of it is going to be the neurologic examination Now, there's textbooks on the neurologic examination, and traditionally, it's kind of been used to weed out pathologies or or kind of what parts of the brain have maybe had a stroke or, or something in that realm. But what's been really amazing with these examinations is you can start to isolate pathways in different parts of the brain. And then you can kind of go, okay, well, this pathway is weaker than this other one. And then, of course, match it up with something that's going to make an improvement to it. And that's, that's the key. And now we can also use a whole bunch of diagnostic equipment and uh, we can read brain waves. Uh, some people are going to do big, expensive scans as well on the brain. Um, but basically, when it comes to the nervous system and how it functions and how you can assess it, is by looking at these different reflexes, these muscle movements, and really go from from there and uh, just build it up, and and that's also going to lead how you're you're going to train that system and make those improvements.
0: So um, I don't think I have any brain pathology. My wife will mm-hmm. disagree with that, but um, <laughs> let's, let's assume I'm right, reasonably yeah. okay. And I yeah, come in and I absolutely. say. I say, uh, you know, uh, Dr. David, I want to be smarter. Um, I want to be able to like handle more complex things quickly. What kind of tests are you going to do on me?
1: Right. The same exact same tests. So basically everybody's got parts of their brain once again, that are overactive and that we can calm down. And then other parts of our brain that are sluggish or weaker. So if I use the muscle analogy, Yeah, if we did a muscle kind of assessment on on somebody who's had an injury, we'd go through, we'd isolate what part of that muscle is damaged and then how to strengthen it. And there's several different muscles that can be damaged in one sort of injury, right? But if we were also to look at a peak performer who wants to improve their power and their muscle, We'd look at those muscle asymmetries and imbalances, and then we'd come up with an exercise plan to make that change. Well, the brain's no different. We've got all these kind of weak or strong areas of our brain that we can hone in on and make those changes, make those improvements, and improve our lives, our performance, and yeah, how smart we are too.
0: (laughs) Uh, So um, I come in, you do tests on me. What I, I need an example here. Like, yes, because um, yeah, you've treated a lot of people. So, you you know, some like reasonably well-performing person, no obvious pathologies. They come in, they say, I want to be smarter. Um, w- what would you possibly see there and how would you go about improving this and how long is it going to take?
1: Perfect. Let's start at the, the bottom part of the brain. So let's go brainstem cerebellum. All the which is over 60% of the brain and most of our, our habit form and functions, anyways. So the first thing we're going to look at is going to be autonomics, heart rate, blood pressure, respiration, pupil size, because this is these quick fast systems, then that obviously fire all this stuff that keeps us going. And these structures are going to be more kind of midline in the brain and then branch out. So Yeah, we shine the light into a pupil. Well, before we look at the pupils and some people are gonna have a pupil that's larger than the other side. Right there, just observing that, we know there's something going on in that autonomic system. Some people will have blood pressure that's different from one side to the other. And once again, we know that how the brain and nervous system is regulating our blood pressure is skewed. It's not working properly. And we're gonna go through that. And we might stress people out a little bit to see how that system responds. So we're always looking at heart rate. And yeah, for athletics, you've probably heard of heart rate variability and measuring your heart rate when you're doing all these tasks. It is that fast part of the nervous system that regulates what we need for oxygen and where we send all this blood and shunt it around the place. We're going to look at the postural system, balance, orientation, uh, muscle tone. We're going to look at reflexes sensations uh let's probably for coordination too when we get into like the cerebellum everybody's seeing episodes of those uh roadside dui tests right
0: yeah
1: yeah well coordination and balance basically those primitive structures alcohol really nails that part of the brain and and causes mm-hmm. it issues Well, same with toxic stress and lifestyle and all these other things is that coordination system can be once again, kind of thrown off, or there can be imbalances from one side of the brain to the other. So yeah, we're going to do these coordination tests because that cerebellum, which has roughly about 60% of the neurons in the brain, then fires into our frontal lobes there's a huge connection between the cerebellum learning and frontal and cognition. It's the center for coordination of both movements and thoughts. So when you see somebody who's got kind of these jerky or tremors, you know, that part of the brain's not working well. And then you could go into your cognitive tests and you're probably going to see slowness or jerky thoughts and or scattered thoughts. And then you kind of combine the two, and then you're going to go through and see, okay, well, let's test it, and then let's see if we can make an improvement to it so that we're just not stuck in waiting for it to decline farther and and get to the state where it is pathological.
0: I, I need to ask you about it. So now, you've got me going here. So um what you're saying, if I understand this, if there's something in my autonomic system, something simple is like… Mm-hmm. left pupil different than right pupil yes that is an indication that there is a there's some sort of that gets reflected in my
1: cognitive part of my brain is that absolutely that regulation really is not working well and uh yeah it can That's be a, a problem whack. yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, okay okay
0: so <laughs> I love that like the tests that you're doing then, they're not necessarily cognitive recall reasoning tests. What you're doing is you're doing physiological tests
1: on my body. Exactly. As kind of that baseline part of it. The, another way to look at it is uh, all these primitive structures and primitive functions of the brain are the foundation for a good, healthy brain. So you want to go into a house that you're building and start looking at the curtains or the, the baseboards before you go into the basement and see if the foundation is leaky or or not working. And that's what we're doing a lot with cognition is we're putting things that should be more advanced functions ahead of everything else. And the thing too, with cognition, especially as we age is we've become really good at sort of one aspect. So yeah, we can appear smart because we've always rehearsed basically what we read or everything else, but the rest of the ship's starting to once again, leak and let things through. And eventually it's going to lead to decline in our cognitive thoughts as well. And we start to see this, Um, our sensory processing starts to dull or sensations start to dull or movements start to dull and then learning new tasks can't take place and then even the ones that we start to be really good at we start to forget things and that starts to dull as well and the whole reason we have a nervous system and there's a great ted talk on this is this yeah if you have a chance look at this ted talk uh the guy goes through and basically he does a great story about the sea squirts. The sea squirts, this larvae, and it's got a little brain, and a little nervous system, and it swims around. And then when it finds the perfect rock, it plants itself and digests its nervous system. So if we're not moving, there's no point in having a nervous system or a brain. And this goes from the lowest larvae, insect, all the way up through all these different animals until we get to our brains, which are so well advanced that we become so in tune with our cognitive abilities that we forget why we actually have a nervous system. Our nervous system is there to regulate our own body against the outside world, and to move around and react, read and react.
0: So what then is the relationship between
1: moving and thinking? Yeah, if we're not move, well, all of our tasks and how we've developed is to, once again, taking all this information from around us, apply it to where we are, and then move and react to something, go get food, uh, go, go do this, all these tasks. And it takes in a whole lot of sensory information before we're able to make these decisions. And that that's the beauty of the brain is basically it's this vessel of, of information coming in through our receptors that fire through a nerve, go up the spinal cord and into the brain where it's processed. And then we have an autonomic reaction to that. Then we have an emotional reaction to that. They're called feelings, the root word being feel. And then we have a cognitive response to it. So we always feel before we think. And then we fire down and we think and it changes that loop as well. But everything is coming in from receptors from that outside world, our senses, and from our inside world, our interoception. And that fires into, again, how we feel, and then how we think, and then how we react. And that's the basic steps and and systems of the brain. And then this, this really evolved past that. But all our thoughts is basically uh, evolutionarily uh, gravy compared to the rest of the brain, which is to move around and react. And the cool thing now is like in the leadership world, you start to see these books on like habits. Well, habits, they can only be performed by doing. And then we naturally start to build that. and a cool example out there is, um, cortical blindness. So nothing's been done to the actual eye or to the nerves going back into parts of the brain. It's basically in our cognitive centers where we realize vision. So that part of the brain has been wiped out, but the primitive centers are still processing that information from vision. And if you ask these people, They can't see anything, but they can still maneuver around the room. They can walk and you can put a chair or something in front of them and they'll sidestep it and continue to walk. But they'll have no cognitive awareness that they actually did that. So the majority of our brain is functioning on autopilot and we're not even aware of it.
0: So let's go back to the pupil. Yes. So um, you see me. You look at my pupils. One's out of you know reacting differently. To the other, therefore, something's off in my you know brainstem somewhere. Something's not quite right. Mm-hmm. Which means that um, the house is unstable. Uh, so I'm not thinking <laughs> as well as I could. Um, what are the sort of modalities? you use with people to improve such things
1: yeah definitely so we're going to look at the nerves that go into these parts of the brain so we look at cranial nerves a lot for kind of these midbrain or our pons or brainstem areas and like if the the popular one out there right now is vagal nerve stimulation so you're finding a way to fire into these nerves that then, once again, hit the brain stem and then stimulate that I part of the tell brain. tell people, what's
0: what's the vagal nerve?
1: The vagal nerve is responsible basically for digestion and a lot of kind of those primitive functions. And it's going to be low in the brain stem. And it's it's going to be those autonomic functions and things that we can't really control, but we need them to react fast to control our autonomic nervous system and then we can go higher up in the brain and we can look at other cranial nerves that come into it and like we all want to be in this relaxed state when we need to be right well let's look at hypnosis why does it give us that state of just zoning out well horizontal eye movements are going to fire into that pons area Different sounds are going to kind of stimulate that pons area and soothe us. That's going to be more your serotonergic system. And then we can move up and we can look at the cranial nerves that then are higher up in the brainstem into our midbrain. And while we look at vertical eye movements, because those are the nerves that come out of that part of the brain. And that's going to be more our dopaminergic system, that excitement side of things. And we can reprogram the brain by using the right frequency, how often we do these exercises and intensity and duration and make the brain learn things other than just talking to it. We can do repetitive stimulation through these nerves, through our senses and make changes to the dopaminergic system, the serotonergic system and to memory, coordination, all of this.
0: So if I understand this, if you get my pupils to react the same way, so that's in balance. Yes. Um, by not, by doing, you know, some sort of movement. So what it's a, it's a, it, we're causing me to see something. I'm the input. You're doing some sort of input to me. Yes. And that that, once my brain sort of clicks onto that immediately my frontal cortex, the part that my cognition, the part that I think with, I I'm smarter.
1: Is that right? Could potentially become smarter. Absolutely. (laughs) And, And the reason we know this is by doing all these cognitive tests in conjunction with it. So yeah, we can go online and we can do these, these cognitive tests and, uh, then there's, there's more clinical ones that we use. And we've seen the cognitive scores improve without doing a signal cognitive task by just simply stimulating these lower parts of the brain. It really is kind this of This is
0: amazing to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, let's say I, I do have um, an issue. Say, um, let's say I have uh, early onset Parkinson's. Okay. Um so tell me like what what is parkinsons and then how would you help it's i mean it's an ongoing degenerative disease right so you yes. can't really stop mm-hmm. that but you can probably what what would you do
1: yeah it's the same thing isolate the parts of the brain so in parkinsons we know that it's going to be more into that midbrain dopaminergic system and then we look at the wires that are coming into that part of the brain that would actually stimulate that part of the brain and to do exercises based off that. Uh, and the thing is, especially with these neurodegenerative disorders is that part of the brain's more fragile. That's why it's declining. So really it becomes this skill of trying to get the right amount of stimulation without overstimulating that part of the brain. Mm. So really with these exercises and the key takeaway is that we do them at with repetition more so than with intensity Mm. and we start to see these changes but if you don't do it enough and at the wrong intensity you're not going to make a change to it and it becomes this this puzzle this art form to, to really make that change in that brain but The the saying neurons that fire together, wire together, go for all parts of the brain, not just doing a math problem or reading. And that becomes exciting for people that are having these disorders where they are starting to decline. And that stimulation model can really start to work and fire up these parts of the brain. And well, We go into the wiring part of it quite commonly and the stimulation, but we have to realize too that this should be healthy living tissues. So you still have to look at the metabolic side as well and everything that's going on there and give it the right fuel. And well, the brain basically processes fuel-wise, oxygen, glucose, and ketone bodies. And it's reliant on the body to get it to it. So that's why the autonomic system is kind of that baseline point too, is that we want blood to be shunted into the right parts of the brain. And we want that autonomic system to be firing appropriately and so that it supports other parts of the brain and, and is healthy as well. But we also have to look at all these nutrients that come in and we have to decrease the inflammation and we have to look at immune function and everything else as well. But the cool thing about the stimulation model is yeah, you fire into these cells, these neurons in the brain, you activate them. Well, when you activate a neuron, basically what happens is it sends uh, a little signal from one of the receptors saying I got activated, which sends a secondary messenger into the nucleus of that cell. That nucleus then has genetic expression because of these these messengers being sent to it. Then it produces the RNA and then the proteins, and then it starts to make that neuron healthier. So by activating these neurons at the appropriate rate, you start to stabilize them. And that becomes very exciting for these disorders where people are declining and it becomes exciting for kind of that longevity and just being able to perform better for longer as well
0: you know i'm thinking about you You use this word term wiring a lot yes electrical system what i've noticed with when i work with an electrical system is that if i get the switch right it it changes immediately unlike yes. going to the <laughs> gym which may take six
1: months yeah the the thing about neurons is they're very metabolically active. They're constantly firing at a certain rate. Oscillations, and we measure these, they're called brain waves, and there's different brain waves, different frequencies of it, but that's happening in milliseconds. And that's constantly being turned over, and new cells are being produced. But the cool thing about a neuron versus a, a muscle is that these proteins through that stimulation model we just explained happens in milliseconds so you can change that protein expression very quickly with neurons whereas with a muscle it's going to take longer to to regenerate that protein it's a different response it's less metabolically active versus a neuron and it, it's It's cool because you can see it in real time. You can do these stimulations and see if it makes a response to that pupil or whatever other finding you have. And when you see that change, you get really excited because now you know it's just a matter of that repetition, practicing it, and changing the intensity of the exercises as you go along.
0: So one of the things I've noticed, um a lot of us sit. Um, yes. I'm actually as we're doing this now. I've I've tried <laughs> to like stop sitting. I stand now. Um but sitting causes our glued muscles to just, you know, just like go into a coma. They're like, you don't need me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and you know what I've what I've noticed is that um sometimes when I go to the gym, I do these um sort of like warm-up sort of exercises and some Mm -hmm. of it is just to sell like like mr glute time to work yeah Yeah. um what's happening because what is that about these like these warm-up things i do these like small movements of my leg around my glute it's not hard on my glute i'm not panting (laughs) but what's happening there that tells because that's a brain
1: thing it's not a muscle thing right yeah exactly your brain and nervous system are constantly firing down to muscles to activate them. So if you don't use it, you'll lose it. And that goes especially for neurons and different pathways. If you become sedentary and inactive, these pathways be, start to deteriorate and decline. And yes, sitting is going to cause certain muscles to be turned on and off, more so than than regular. And then by doing these little activation exercises, you're reconnecting that pathway to get, oh, I need to fire down and get this muscle to wake up and to work. Now, the other thing we can use with muscles is if you think about a muscle, it's always on, off, on, off. And it's at a rate where we don't notice that too much. When we do know, it's kind of like those fluorescent lights. It's flickering at a certain rate, but we don't notice it but when we start to see tremors or these movement disorders then what we know is that that frequency of firing is is off so that's another warning sign that the brain start, our nervous system is starting to deteriorate in certain aspects so, so
0: with age um you know there's a, there's a lot of talk about well your your fast twitch muscles don't work as well mm-hmm. um and What I'm starting to think by hearing what you're saying here is that, with with time, sort of our uh, nervous system becomes lazy or inaccurate. Um, Yeah, the wrong things are firing at the wrong time. Is is that right? And and what can we do about that?
1: It's exactly right, and we start to notice this in in decline and. We can see this with people. Like you look at facial expressions, which are different tone of muscles. You look at how people walk, and instinctively you say, "Oh, that person's a little slow," or "That person's anxious and and heart going off." And and we pick up on these naturally. But if we look into it and study it a little bit more, then yeah, we we start to notice different aspects of the the motor system declining at different speeds and different rates. And well, let's use another example. So we know stress is toxic to us. So right now, picture yourself being stressed out and tired and sluggish, and then think about how you would probably be sitting, standing, you'd be slouched over hunched and more in this kind of flexor posture. And then think about when you're excited and you're confident and you're rocking things out. What's your posture like? It's upright and it's solid. So different postures is actually telling us about how our brain's firing and working in that moment in time. Now, the other thing is if we go from development through basically midlife into degeneration, your cradle to grave aspect of it. When we come into the world, we're in this fetal position. We're tucked in. Then, as we start to develop, we become upright, more extensor tone, that confident pose. And as we perform, we're in that confident upright pose. And then, when we're stressed out, we're we go into that hunched over pose, posturing, and then as we decline, we start to go back into that posturing pose where we are dominant and we're hunched over hunched hunchbacked. And then we're losing our balance and our other functions at different rates. And then we start to see it. So that posturing is actually a reflection of brain health as well.
0: But can it go, can it go the other way? So absolutely. If I want to fix so if I fix my posture, do I fix my thinking?
1: It something would be kind of looking at at your posture throughout a longer period of time. But yes, basically that posturing, that flexor dominant posture, and let's look at another example: stroke. So we know in stroke that a part of the brain's been damaged. And then we see this spastic posturing, that flexor dominant tone, kind of that wrist being flexed in. You can't extend and open your hand because that inhibition of that flexor tone has been taken away. So our frontal lobes fire down through the pontomedullary reticular formation, if you want to know that. And it inhibits autonomics, heart rate, blood pressure, respiration. And emotionality and flexor tone. That's so, those inhibition circuits, which are which is cool because then you can start to see it.
0: But I, I guess where I'm going with this is, like you said, like if I if feel stressed, mm-hmm. I, I sort of collapse forward and in. Yes. But then if I catch myself doing that, and I say, "No, no, stand up, shoulders back."
1: head up you just said it you caught yourself so when you catch yourself are you at more of an aroused state
0: uh i probably catch myself in the mirror and it's like oh okay and then i fix my posture out of it and my but what happens is at least with me i feel less i feel less stress because i have changed
1: my body position exactly yes two-way okay exactly you're sending better signals up to the brain as well. So just being more upright, you're going to send better signals that, okay, yes, here I am brain and I'm doing better and there's less stress to some of these muscles. So if you're in that stress posture, what's your head and neck like it's forward. And then you have all this tension in through that muscles, right? All that's sending signals up to the brain as well. And then that signal fires into our feeling centers and we're annoyed and (laughs) sore stiff. And we're probably going to snap at people a lot easier.
0: (laughs) So what about, are there other places, are are there other techniques like this idea of, I'm just fascinated with this idea of the, the sort of feedback between the, the physiological and the, and the brain. So Things like we just discussed like the posture but um um you know tickling someone or intermuscular stimulation or other sort of novel things that become that input to the brain yes all right and the brain's like oh this is a new thing um is
1: t- t- talking about that am i is does that work Absolutely. All of this is stimulation into the brain. We're firing receptors going through nerves up into the brain where it, it stimulates how our brain is working and functioning. And different stimulations are going to have different effects in different parts of our brain. And it really is. Life is a sensory experience. And all of this fires in and makes makes our brains better or worse, depending how we, we uh, target it. And this is why there's always been kind of these more uh, abstract things around, I hate calling it, but alternative health modalities is that all of them stimulate a receptor. So you look at chiropractic, we're stimulating those big receptors, of joint mechanics and muscles that fire up into the brain. Aromatherapy, you're stimulating the olfactory nerve. Uh, light therapies, you're, you're stimulating that cranial nerve for light that fires back into the brain. Sound therapies, you're stimulating that sound nerve that goes into the brain and stimulates the brain and it changes our state. It changes our mood and it it can change it for better or for worse, depending on, on the stimulation
0: input process, output, change the input different process, different output.
1: So, so here's a question for just to kind of stimulate that, that response there. So we know multiple senses go up into the brain, then multiple connections. So when that information actually gets processed and leaves the brain, so the nerves going out down through the spinal cord and out into the body, there's only basically two areas that nerves go out into the body and let's guess what those are. Where do the nerves coming out of the brain actually go? Mm, Muscles. Ding. Absolutely. And Uh, the second one. (laughs) uh, I don't know. (laughs) Going to be glands. Oh, right. So those are the only two. And then we can start to kind of uh, subcategorize it from there. So those nerves are going to fire into either autonomic muscles like our gut or those muscles that shunt blood or change pupil sizes, or it's going to fire into skeletal muscle that we move. And then of course, glands, it's going to fire into all these glands. And that's why we look at the hypoadrenal pituitary axis or, or those things is that, yeah, there's a response and the brain processes that information and says, oh, I think I need to change some of my hormones here. Or I've been running, it's hot outside, I need to sweat more. And all of that is a function of the nervous system. So muscles are easier to look at than glands, though, because (laughs) glands, of course, they can have issues themselves as well. And but... Yeah. And looking at the brain and the responses to all these other systems starts to explain some of these more kind of anecdotal uh, results that alternative therapies have gotten before is that you're changing that processing and output, which is not only going to fire down into into the body, but it's going to fire into other systems such as our, our hormones and everything else as well.
0: But there has to be a strategy, right? So, you know, it's one of the things I find I have some difficulty with alternative medicine when it when it does not have a strategy, a cause and effect, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, Right. And that's what you're describing to me is functional neurology is a strategy.
1: (laughs) You do X, Y
0: happens.
1: (laughs) Exactly. It's it's to isolate these these better. Um, Because all of these these therapies basically have been uh, discovered or honed by practitioners doing it and seeing results. And that's why some of these ancient therapies are making comebacks is because, yeah, they've been around for thousands of years. People have started to notice changes with it, and now they've got kind of procedures for it. But the cool thing now with all the technology and how science is developed is you can get a lot more accurate with these things. Exactly. Yes.
0: That's the that's a better not strategy is the wrong word. Ed, accuracy. Yes. Um, the tar- So um I, I'm gonna uh, back to my personal situation, which is my favorite one. Um, mm-hmm. so <laughs> I uh, I ski. And one of the important parts of skiing is um, uh, proprioception like where error. am i i i'm now in this i'm highly dynamic <laughs> and an and an error on my part um about proprioception can lead to me and a tree and a hospital yes so <laughs> i want to, i want to avoid that and but what i've noticed is with time my my athleticism hasn't declined all that much um, my aerobic capacity is down, but you know there's basically mm-hmm. pretty it, but basically everything's working fairly well, but my my proprioception is not as good as it used to be right well um, and that's a brain thing
1: um, absolutely it is yes so yeah, it's a what do I do brain thing. It's it's about getting that accuracy back. And yeah, I love the ski example because this really tells us what what our brain and nervous system is doing and designed to do. So the brain has a frequency of firing brain waves, right? And of course, yeah, it's that sensing the outside world, sensing your own body and processing that information. Well, this timing is at very quick milliseconds and a skier is a good example is that you need to know your body position and that turn coming up and you need to react to any bumps in the snow and you need to put all that weight and everything and feel it into that small slice of the edge of your ski and at the right pressure to make that turn and if you don't calculate it right, then yeah, you'll blow out that turn or you'll need to compensate for it if you don't wipe out and it becomes seconds off your time. And that's an elite athlete. So with an elite athlete, trying to build that nervous system up, yeah, you're looking at these minuscule little changes in that system. And then people with pathology, Sometimes it's easier to kind of diagnose the nervous system because it's more apparent what's not functioning properly. But yeah, if we're noticing a change in these systems, then we need to look. Okay, well, is your brain starting to think your center of gravity is in kind of a different spot? So, yeah, we need to look at at that. Um, is muscle tone kind of changed from all these injuries we accumulate over <laughs> periods of time, and we need to look at that aspect too, because that's abnormally signaling that's happened and the brain is trying to compensate for that. And it's adaptable. It's always making these, these changes and different calculations to how it's reading our body and then how it's reading the outside world. So where is that uh, disconnect or going on with the integration of all these systems that can keep us on this skinny little sharp ski and, and I'm sure you're doing like double blacks and, and going (laughs) going completely. So, I
0: mean, is my pathology is aging and is, Mm -hmm. is aging really just an accumulation of my brain's adaptation to all these minuscule injuries I've had
1: over the decades. That's definitely one part of the puzzle. And then of course it's cell health as well. Mm. So, yeah.
0: Right. Um, So like my mitochondria are probably not as
1: Mm -hmm. zappy as they used to be. Exactly. Yeah. And the immune system too, like, and this is going to be one of these hot topics that that continue to go on with, with everything going on in, in the media right now in the past few years is the brain is the, well, pretty much the most heavy immune regulated system. So our immune system is supposed to turn over cells and recycle our cells. That's a function of the immune system as well. So of course, neurons we mentioned are very metabolically active. They turn over very quickly. So it makes sense that there needs to be a lot of immune cells to, to take care of this as these cells basically wear out and to clear that all these products and, and abnormal proteins out of it and the immune system has other functions though not only is it turning over cells it there's different parts of the immune system and different cells of the immune system and different signaling and messaging of the immune system that gets skewed as we age as well. And it gets skewed because of diet toxins and stress. And then of course, pathogens, viruses, bacteria, and everything we're exposed to. So there's can be polarization of the immune system where basically it gets skewed into more one function versus the other. And that too can start to wear on the brain and, and start to change how, The immune system clears out all the junk that we accumulate throughout a lifetime, and that's going to change how the the brain and nervous system works as well. So it really is this, a better approach to, to say about the nervous system, the immune system, and the endocrine system is that they're all communication systems within the human body that are interlinked and then it doesn't become just one department and one referral it becomes that interplay of of all three of them together
0: so if i want to increase so taking the community if i take the communication system idea Mm -hmm. um you know my perhaps my vocabulary has become reduced with time Mm -hmm. and i want to add to my communication vocabulary Does, does then doing things like, you know, this novel stimulation and I'm thinking novel movement of Mm -hmm. some kind, which is actually really, really difficult, like doing something, you know, like if, if I, if I just said to you right now, the fourth toe on your foot, bring it up. Like, (laughs) I mean, we, we have that, you know, (laughs) we have muscles to do that, (laughs) probably quite difficult, like a, a, like a novel movement doing actual novel movement, with, which would increase the vocabulary, the range of like different things that my brain can do. do, do things like that impact these other systems?
1: Yes. And all of it's interconnected. If you fire one part of the brain, you're going to fire another yeah. part of the brain and, and so on and so on. And we, we know this. And then too, you can start to layer exercises together. So what we call it dual tasking. So it's kind of like, okay, think and chew gum at the same time. (laughs) So we're doing kind of a movement activity now with cognitive thoughts and things as well to layer the the therapies and modalities to to get people sharper. So, uh, and as you mentioned, which is a huge takeaway for anyone listening is anything novel is going to stimulate the brain anything new is going to stimulate the brain in a lot more impactful way. So this is also a way to measure decline as we age, is how able are we to actually learn new tasks? And if we start to see that happen, then we also know that then the integration, the processing isn't as sharp, it's not as quick, and it's not as accurate.
0: I've actually, there's, a, there's an exercise program that I, I, I recently heard about, I think it's called Vivo or Video, where they do exactly that. It's movement with cognitive activities. Yes. The,
1: the two at once. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we do this in neurologic testing as well, is we'll dual task. We'll have somebody walk and we'll get them to do a cognitive task. Hey, Count, by, count backwards from 54 by sevens. And if they start to... That's really hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I would fail. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, we're looking for fail. Oh, okay. Because Yeah. (laughs) If we start to see these systems fail, then that's our baseline. It fails doing this. Okay. Well, can we do something that improves it? Right. And that becomes the big question with all these rehabs is to actually have something that you can kind of go on baseline and see if it improves and you see these in concussion tests and and yeah your roadside dui tests and everything else and uh yeah well let's apply it to basically everything else that performance and and how we want to live and and how sharp we want to be when when things start to maybe be in more of our twilight years
0: so let's I, i want to do like the reverse dui Yes. So I'll go back to my my favorite sport, skiing, and I yep. just come down something like steep, and I'm going badass fast, and I get to the bottom, and I feel awesome. Like my brain is fully lit up. Um, yes. W- w- what just Isn't happened there? Oh, it's unbelievable. Feeling? You could you could ask me the most complicated question you can imagine, I could just like knock it off. Yeah, here yeah. it is. Boom. Answer. <laughs> it's because I'm just so lit up. What? What happens there that, you know, the movement stuff lights up all this other I Help me out.
1: It's this massive bombardment of sensory stimulation that gets the brain to wake up and be at a higher frequency of firing. And yeah, it's multiple areas of the brain communicating back and forth at milliseconds and reacting to the world around it and Oh my god, if it does that correctly, wow, do we feel good. And then we want more of it. And that's a good thing. This is why I I can't watch television. I
0: I just like I, I well, especially like I, I well, I like nature TV. That's kind of fun. But yeah, most I prefer <laughs> nature though, right? Nature <laughs> <Major> TV is really <laughs> fun. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know, I want to I want to watch bear cam. Like awesome, cool. <laughs> but most like television is sort of designed it for this like narcotic effect, mm-hmm. and I I find that if I watch it for like a few minutes, I it's the reverse thing. Like I, it's like my everything just sort of like shuts down, and I can't think, and my cog yeah. I can just feel my cognition dropping.
1: <laughs> and. Basically, if we overstimulate one sense more than the others, then we're going to see decline in the senses we're not using. Or mm. basically, we zap out this system that we're overstimulating. And right now, so many of us are way too visual dominant. Mm. And we see this in aging as well Is is somebody standing there, they're able to walk fine, but you, you take vision away and they fall
0: Right. That's the test. Stand on one leg. Okay, great. Now close your eyes. Exactly. So why is that that's proprioception? Why is that? What's, how do you fix that fail?
1: We need to get the sensation of proprioception, that body awareness, that movement of muscles and joints firing back up into the brain so that those neurons start to become healthier in that part of the brain. Cause yeah. When we're visual dominant, our posture usually changes to our center of gravity and we're reliant on one sense versus the others. And if we take that one dominant sense that's still working and we take it away, then the other sense isn't there to, to do its job. And uh, that's an unhealthy brain. And that's that's a huge risk category because later in life, it, falling. It, falling is huh. dangerous. It, if a lot of elderly, if they break their hip or something else, they're they're not likely to come back and, and, and be functional again. And there's risk factors for eventual death with that as well. And well, let's back that up. That is an extreme case. Well, not so extreme because it's out there and it happens constantly, but let's back it up a few years or a decade and we start to notice that we're not performing as well in this. Yeah, that's an indication of probably eventual decline. And we don't know the pace of that, but you can start to be doing these things to monitor your own health and and this aspect of the nervous system and brain and and chart where you're at. And not just that, if you're starting to notice it, you can chart improvement. <laughs> Instead well, of just waiting for decline and pathology to take absolutely. place. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah, I think that's the most empowering thing about exercises, stimulations, and and everything we're preaching with brain health, fitness, and wellness.
0: Um All right. So I'm 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 gonna ask you to give me something practical. So <clears throat> I'm actually, as we're doing this in your I'm standing, and when I do interviews, I sometimes I do them on both feet. Um, about half of this interview has been on one foot or the other because yes. I just, I don't know. I like that. Um, but, but if I were to close my eyes, I would crash into the microphone. <laughs> so <laughs> It wouldn't work out. Right. I don't. So now how do well, I, let, how do I improve yeah, let, my proprioception? Give me an exercise.
1: Let's, let's do one of these cere- cerebellar tests. Okay. All right. So what we want you to do, and so the listener is going to hear it, is you're going to have your right hand out in front of you. Gotcha. All right. Your left hand, you're going to take the back of the hand, center on center, and clap it. And then you're going to move it to the other side, palm to palm. All right. Now go as fast as you can. And if it's not working properly, you start to hear a different rhythm. And so instead of that nice, dot, 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 at a fast pace, so it goes as fast as you can. All right, Try the put other it hand. Close, yeah, put it close to the mic. So we're doing the left hand first, right?
0: Okay, so uh, right hand's on bottom, left hand. Yep. Okay, so clap it so people can hear it.
1: Close <laughs> okay. to the mic.
0: Okay, so I'm spazzing yeah. out a little bit here. <laughs>
1: Good, all right, now <laughs> okay. compare it to the
0: other side. Okay, so now we'll do- so as fast as you can
1: go. And you should be able to hear it. I think we probably have some filters on our mic. <laughs> they, yeah. So the the right one's a little more coordinated than the left one. Perfect. So what's the weaker side? Well, I assume. The left, right? The left. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. So now we want to stimulate that left cerebellum because yeah. we know that coordination of clapping side to side doesn't work as well. Now okay. Balance, I love this. Yeah. Balance is a push-pull. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you fall to one side versus the other. It's a push-pull, right? Okay. So it, it's an easy. It's left versus right. So we know the, the left isn't working as well. So we want to stimulate the weaker side. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to stimulate the cerebellum by doing a novel movement task. Uh-oh. So what I want you to do <laughs> is I want you to make these sideways figure eights with your hand. The left hand? Yep. Make it nice and coordinated. Okay, good. And you're only going to do about 10 of those. All right, now, no, if I good. wanted to do it a little more intensively, I would have you lie down and I only 10. You're only going to okay. stimulate it a little bit. Okay. Fire up that part of the brain. Okay. Now, if I wanted to make it a little more intense, then what I'd have you do is I'd have you lie down and I'd have you do those figure eights opposite directions so the foot is going the opposite way of the hand so it's a
0: pattern oh i think my brain hurts already even thinking about that
1: exactly or what i'd have you do is with your hand i want you to write the alphabet and with your foot i want you to write numbers
0: at the same time exactly oh my god people can do that
1: no no (laughs) it's (laughs) it's novel (laughs) gotcha Yeah, we're only doing it to stimulate (laughs) the brain.
0: I I could. It's not a a fail test. Okay.
1: Right. I could care less if you could do that. What I want to do is I want to stimulate that part of the cerebellum by doing something new and novel. All right. Now, what we do after that is we get you back on your foot. Okay. We have you close your eyes and we see, okay, is balance same, better or worse?
0: I'm doing it right now. I know this is really boring for people to listen to a podcast, but, um, and yeah, it's remarkably better
1: life, <laughs> No, it's remarkably better. Yeah.
0: Like I'm so that little
1: goals. stimulation through movement. Oh my God. Your balance. So wouldn't you want to do that before skiing down a hill going 90 miles per hour? <laughs> oh man.
0: All right. So, um, after we're off of this, I, you can send me some exercises to like keep me out of the hospital. Um, yes. <laughs> that's so easy. Oh, I love this! To, yeah. I, gosh, um, <laughs> amazing! I, I might have mentioned to you earlier a long time ago. For some reason, I found myself studying Feldenkrais. Okay, so, yeah. M- Moshe Feldenkrais. Um, similar, right? So mm-hmm. tiny little movements, w- like weird movements, like sh- shift your eyes right while you do this left with your foot, and it, it would yeah. just have this like tremendous increase on the. Um, The 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 vocabulary movement you had in your body,
1: absolutely, yeah. And eye movements they're they're huge because basically these tiny little cameras have so much information. So pointing these tiny little cameras are are very important to the brain and nervous system. So different eye movements, different cranial nerves, they're going to tell me about different parts of that brain. And then excitingly, I can start to use that information, like we just did with that clapping exercise to start to develop a strategy to to hopefully fire into that part of the brain and make it better and then if we see that improvement then we need to practice it and then once we become good at it we need to change it up (laughs) reassess the system and do something different
0: this is fantastic
1: (laughs) i it's so i don't know
0: i i spent a lot of time like training my body in the gym and strong and fit and all this and 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 in like what was that like 20 seconds you changed my balance
1: right (laughs) amazing um i can't wait i can't wait for ski season now (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna hit you up
0: with like a whole list of like exercises to like you know for proprioception um But, uh, David, we're going to finish up. Um, is there anything you want to uh, leave people with?
1: Absolutely. And that would be do novel tasks and really start to appreciate then the senses and sensations around you, because that's going to change your, your mood, how you feel and how you think. And it doesn't have to be too complex. It just means trying something new, different and, uh, stimulating our brains and getting ourselves into into a whole new better state and i I think that's the way to enrich our lives
0: sounds a good plan to me um this has been super interesting i think we're gonna have to get you back on i'm there's just you have my brain super fired up right now thinking about all of this um So I really, I'm really glad that you took your time, took some time out today and, um, to
1: visit. Oh, it's us. been a pleasure. I love geeking out about this. And, uh, more importantly, I, I love seeing and hearing people get better and, and improve how they're feeling and functioning. Um, if somebody wants to contact you, what would they do? Uh, LinkedIn, uh, is, is a great avenue. And then, uh, yeah, through social media, the hearty brain on Facebook, Instagram, and then on my podcast as well. The, thehardybrain.ca backslash podcast thehardybrain.
0: Gotcha. We'll put those links um, in the show notes.
1: Perfect. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for joining us and a big thanks to our sponsors which makes this podcast possible. Go to insidetracker.com slash ageist. Save 20% on all their products. Go to drinkelement.com slash ageist and element is L-M-N-T. And you can save on their products with a special deal that we have set up with Element. As always, you have the opportunity to leave up to a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast. We would love that. And we would also love a comment wherever you're listening to this podcast. That really helps us out. Um, If you want to contact me directly, david at superage.com, I answer all of my email directly and promptly. We got another good one coming up for you next week. Hope you're all enjoying the summer and we'll see you then. Take care.